Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. So welcome, Taryn, to the Military Wife Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. So you and your husband have been together for 11 years. Can you tell me how you guys met? So we met at the races in Brisbane. There was a Brisbane race day just through mutual friends from a touch association that we were with. So at the time I was starting to be a teacher and he was waiting for his um, recruits application to be finalized. So when you guys got together, like how old were you? And Just turned 21 actually. It was the week after my 21st birthday and he was 24. So he'd actually been working in construction and decided that's not what he wanted to pursue anymore and had always thought about being in defense. And so that's when he decided to pursue that career. Was the fact that he was planning on going into the military any sort of deciding factor as to whether you would continue or you just sort of thought, we'll just see how it goes and see where it takes us? The issue was at the time um, he had had shoulder recons from football and things like that. So he was waiting on a lot of medical clearances. So in terms of like a timeline, it just kept getting pushed further and further out. So it didn't really feel like there was a looming date or a decision that had to be made. So we just thought of rolled with it and eventuated after I think about two years. So it was sort of like a long time coming. It was. <laughs> yeah. When he finally got the decision that yes, you are going ahead, like what did he do? Did he go away for training or what was the process? Yeah, so he went down to Wagga for recruits and I think that was for a few months. At the time I just started a new my first job teaching at um, the sunny coast. So we'd been living up there before he left. So we just kind of continued as was I stayed up there teaching and he went off to recruits and then we just waited to find out where he'd be posted. So I guess it was all sort of new and exciting at at the start. Yeah, you sort of don't really think that long. We knew we were in a long-term relationship, but we didn't really sort of think long-term about what kinds of impacts defense would have on things. We were just both really happy in what we were doing and just sort of let life take its course really. Can you tell us a bit about your husband's job and what his sort of posting plan is for that sort of job and the role and how that all works? I'm a bit of a crap military wife. I don't really know much about defence life in terms of what they do and things like that. He's in the Air Force, so he's done a few seven-month deployments. At the moment, we're doing MWDU for this posting cycle. So most of the time, like we're used to him being away, but that's because of the MWDU situation at the moment. Generally, he's not away for too long. Being in the Air Force, they sort of seem to have, a, I guess, a better communication. We know fairly well in advance when he's going away and when he'll be back. Most days we can hear from him even when he's away. And like if they say they're going to be back on a date, nine times out of ten they make it happen. So They're just very punctual in the Air Force. It sounds like it, but yeah, I don't know what it is about the Air Force. That makes it so different to the to the Navy and the Army. But yeah, we've been really lucky in terms of having really good communication while he's away, which I think just makes such a huge difference. Although you say that you're a crap military wife because you don't really know what he does and that sort of stuff. But most <laughs> of us are like that for probably at least the first 10 years. Great. <laughs> or we just don't really understand. We just say, oh, they do something to do with this or something to do with that or because they change jobs or go to different sections and their sort of job description kind of changes a little bit you're sort of like um 
not sure at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's with him as well. Like he's sort of doing a few sideways postings and things like that. So it's kind of like, oh, you just kind of lose track of it. There's a funny story where I um, was doing a parent teacher interview at school and this RAF mum came in. And so we're talking about the RAF, just really general, nice chit chat. And then I went home to Joel and I was like, oh, I had this RAF mum. And I it was like I explained the pictures on her like sleeves. I know there's a name for that too, but yep. and um so it turns out like her rank was like something amazing up really oh. high. And I was like, oh well, there you go. I was like, she was super lovely. Oh well, rank <laughs> means nothing in the parent-teacher interview. So, what was your general introduction to defence life like? So you went along on your way with your first teaching job, and he went off to training. And then what sort of happened from there? Like, we're sort of just happy to let it play out, see what happened. And then his first posting was at Amberley. So that was two and a half hours from the sunny coast. So that just sort of just seemed to work out really well. He had a DHA house. So I would just go down on the weekends. So just do the two and a half hours drive each way for that year. And then the following year, that's when it started to take its toll, just um, being so lonely during the week. And then that year I'd done my second year at teaching. So I was eligible for a transfer. So I applied for a transfer at the end of that year to move down and join him in his defense house. And you got a transfer? Yes. It was a bit of a process because I am with Catholic education. So it's not as easy, I I guess, as moving around in state education. But yeah, I was able to make that happen. I was getting pretty desperate in the end to yeah. make the move down. I guess after a little bit, you sort of realise, okay, there's no end date to this. So you kind of have to figure out, well, if I'm not happy doing this apart, then I might as well make the decision to be with him. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it came down to. So did you have any expectations of what defence life would be like in those early stages before you knew what it was actually like? Were you from a military background or had you sort of known anything about defence at that stage? No idea at all. My family didn't really have any strong defence connection. It was a really sort of unknown experience in some ways and in hindsight I think that's actually worked out really well for us because we just sort of have taken things as they've come and haven't sort of worried too much about the future. So what are some of the past postings that you guys have experienced together and where have they taken you? What locations have you been to? So far he's just been between Amberley like in a few sideways postings and Townsville so that's where he's at the moment in the MWDU situation. Okay and so how did you come to the decision to go MWDU? It was pretty much based on an employment and financial decision. So I was pregnant at the time with our second baby. And if I finished that year out at school, I was able to get maternity leave and I also qualified for my long service leave. So for us, that meant I would be able to stay at home with the girls for 18 months without having to worry about work. So I also thought that was a good opportunity to move up to Townsville after I got that because I would have time to get on my feet and make contacts in terms of getting a job in Townsville. Getting permanency in teaching is really challenging. So for us, it was a really hard decision to give that up. So MWD sort of seemed to be like a really good decision for us at the time to just do it for a year. I would finish school and then say all my goodbyes and then prepare to move up to Townsville. And how did that work out? Well, of course, Defence Life had the baby. She was three weeks old. And then we found out that that year he would be going on a deployment for seven months. So with that in mind, and my parents were only a few hours away, 
away that an hour away from here it was sort of the decision to stay here for me that year again to be close to all of our support systems so we thought we'd do MWD for another year and then think about moving once he got back from his deployment at the end of the year but then he moved back and then we're kind of like well is it worth moving up for one year when you're due for another posting and yeah like our goal would be to stay here and we're halfway renovating a house so it'd be ideal to stay and finish that off so yeah yeah we decided to do MWD for a third year at the moment we are waiting for his next posting so that will determine what happens next Okay. So when you first went MWDU, like you said, you were pregnant. How old was your first child? So my first, I think was about 18 months. And yeah, so then I was pregnant with my second then. So So how are you feeling about going into that with like an 18 month old and a newborn nearly? In hindsight, it was absolutely crazy. So I was working (laughs) full time. I was also studying some subjects towards my master's. Oh, why not? Throw it in. Yeah, no. And then, yes, he would be away. And then on top of that we just had randomly unlucky things happen to us so <laughs> a truck at the daycare just left its handbrake off and smashed my car and oh my god there was a freak storm come through Brisbane and we had water damage all through like the master bedroom and just like all those random things that happen when you don't have your partner there they the, all seem to happen the as soon year. as they leave curse yes so- it's a thing (laughs) so like yeah once you finish dealing with that you're probably like oh well you know dealing with two kids is just fine yeah some days we really like yeah we're killing this we're doing so well and then other weeks the wheels sort of fall off and you think that we've made a really bad decision but overall I think it's gone really well and I think I'm a pretty independent person which has really helped I've also got that support network with my parents only an hour away so there's always that backup an hour away but it's not around the corner It's still tough, but it's doable if, you know, in an emergency or if you're really at breaking point. Well, it's an hour on weekends. So that's when we try and like, if we need to see them, that's when we catch up. It's hard, like during the week because of the traffic, Um, it's a two hour drive. So you can't sort of lean on them to help you out if the kids are sick or any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I consider it close compared to like other people in their posting situation. So yeah, having that support has just been amazing. And the thing is with MWDU, you did it for a year and then you got thrown a curveball and then you do it for another year and then you got thrown another curveball. It's sort of like, well, like it's been three years now and it's definitely going to come to an end soon, but like it ends up going from one year to three years and you're like, this is not what was planned. Like I was supposed to be just hanging on for a year and now I'm hanging on for three years and now I'm really hanging on for this posting to come through. Yeah, I think that actually has worked out well that it wasn't like a three-year kind of deadline from the start. I think that would have been really hard to cope with thinking we've got to do this for three years. So it was sort of like just small milestones and we managed to tick them off and then sort of set the next one. So I think that's been really good. Yeah, and at least you had the deployment in there. So it's not like if you had moved to be with him, like he'd be gone anyway. So you knew that that was the right decision because you're staying with all your support networks and closer to family and all that sort of stuff. So that sort of makes that decision a little bit easier. Definitely did. Yep. It all worked out for the best. So how did you go when he was deployed? How did that all go? It wasn't too bad overall. The first couple of months were great. I had a great baby that slept quite well. And then she just turned into a nightmare and was waking every hour, hour and a half. So that was when I really began to struggle then. But it was like one of those nights where you'd be like, crying on the phone to him at like 4am be like I can't do this anymore and then you'd get a few hours sleep the next day and he'd ring back and be like right so we're going to do this this and this and I'd be like oh no don't worry I've had a bit of sleep I'm good now 
house. It was just sort of like taking every night as it come and yes. each little hurdle. And then, yeah, like you have the leave and you have that couple of weeks together and the end is in sight. So you can sort of make it through. And and then, yeah. yeah, you get a bit of sleep. Like sleep deprivation is the worst. Like that is just makes everything a hundred times worse. Oh, it's horrendous. You know, going into having kids, that, that's something that people struggle with. But until you are that tired and that exhausted and then you hear the baby cry again yeah it's just nothing I've ever experienced so yeah and imagine doing that like in a new location with no support and stuff like that like that's just oh, like it would another be added. how did you envision life and career working alongside defense life this is also something I was probably a little bit naive in thinking I thought teaching would be a perfect job for a defense partner because I just thought I would just be able to follow him to his locations and just pick up a job wherever he is because if there's defense people there there would be families and children needing school so I just thought I would be able to pick up and go with him and what was the reality the reality was that there's a really low chance of getting permanent roles straight away so you have to start at the bottom again at every school so you just start with picking up relief work getting small contracts and try and get your foot in the door that way which would have been fine if we didn't have kids but now that we've got the girls we're not flexible in terms of just waiting around for relief work and the cost of daycare is ridiculous so you can't just put the girls in daycare without any work so that was a huge factor for us when we decided not to go to Townsville and to do the MWDU just for the financial security and with the intent that you would go back to your job when you were finished maternity leave or how was that working yeah my intent was definitely to go back to teaching I was probably looking to get out of the classroom in terms of dropping back maybe to part-time or as I had been doing my um, part of my master's, it meant that I could take on like some specialist roles in uh, literacy. So I was sort of looking at avenues that way to not have a full-time classroom load. That's often the case, like you mentioned, you thought teaching, that's a career you can take everywhere. But the reality is like even within fields like nursing and my field's communications, you think it's a broad sort of category and it is, but just the fact that you do have to work your way up from the bottom at each location it's kind of like a real blow to your self-esteem when you've worked so hard and then you move or potentially are moving to another location and you have to start all over again or rely on like you said relief work which isn't consistent and you can't put your hand up to when family circumstances change how were you feeling in regards to the fact that you know you've you're working so hard with your masters put in all that work and then to realize that oh it's not that easy to just pick up and go yeah it's quite frustrating as well to lose all of your benefits so because you're not necessarily transferring within the same organizations or the same like education state then you lose your long service leave and your sick leave and all of those kinds of things as well so I found that something really frustrating to overcome that all the years that you'd worked up to prior to get yourself in a good position for family life and things like that sort of became a huge barrier and then you're having to make that decision of like you guys have the MWDU to be able to keep those benefits so it's like catch 22 you're deciding whether to live apart and keep all of that network that you've built up for yourself or move and yeah so it's like a tricky decision it is I think it would probably have been easy if we didn't have the house we were sort of halfway through renovating a house and so that was a big factor in us wanting to stay as well just to be able to keep the house and yeah that's right you can't just leave off. a half renovated house like probably not ideal to put on a real estate listing <laughs> no so you've also now you know with all your spare time set up a business yeah. can you just to you know just to make life a little bit more interesting can you tell us about the business that you've set up it was really unexpected actually and it all started because of sleep deprivation 
Have you heard about our Lots of Love care packages? An anonymous and free box of self-care goodies that can totally make a military spouse's day. It's a way for friends and family to send an acknowledgement in the mail to a military spouse to let them know they're awesome and the Military Wife Life community has their back. Pop over to the Military Wife Life website after you finish listening to this episode, of course, and sign someone up for the Lots of Love box. So I'm actually really grateful for my baby being up all throughout the night because it meant that I was on Facebook a lot, just scrolling and in groups. And from that, I saw that there were so many people out there that needed help with writing needs. So things from like resumes or copywriting on websites. So yeah, I just noticed that need and I thought that's something that I could help people with. So I already had a little bit of background in business before teaching and my sister works in HR. So she helped me with setting it all up and being up to date with industry compliance and standards and so it just really rolled from there so I my main job at the moment with that is helping job seekers with resumes cover letters selection criteria suitability statements and then yeah just do a little bit of work as well copywriting for other small businesses so thank you baby waking up at night for giving mummy her I know it's crazy so I'm actually so grateful for that sleep deprivation that I just was talking about (laughs) who says you have baby brain when you have babies you've just had like your best ideas in the middle of the night so (laughs) That's right. With your business, you deal a lot with defense spouses, obviously, because you've also then got that added layer of knowing what they go through. And you also work with PEEP funding. Can you tell us about how you work with PEEP funding with your new business? It's a great scheme. So Defense has an initiative to assist ADF partners to find employment as soon as they relocate because of posting or if they're medically transitioning. So spouses can get $1,500 and that can go towards services that I offer so like resumes cover letters selection criteria LinkedIn profiles or you can work with other providers that would um, help you with coaching identifying the skill sets job placement advice interview coaching as well and I didn't know that it also covered LinkedIn profiles because they're like top of the list these days for finding jobs yes it's such a growing sector and more and more companies are jumping on board using it to source their own candidates rather than go through traditional means yeah and you can sort of show your personality a little bit more and yes it's sort of a little bit more I guess casual than a resume some people just sort of put their resume straight up on LinkedIn but it's a little bit different to that so it's a little bit of fine tuning yeah and also through PEEP funding you can use it for like professional registration what how does that sort of work yeah so it will cover fees that you would incur for changing registration from state to state so a good example is a teacher so um, I'm registered in Queensland at the moment but if we relocated to another state cost money to have like your qualifications recognized and and apply for registration in that state. So you you can apply for that funding to cover your new fees. So PEEP funding is for people that are posting to a new location. It's not for people that are already in a location for a few years. Is that right? Yeah. So that's the only sort of drawback at the moment is that it only covers people for one year from the posting orders. So which is actually great because you can get your posting orders and you can get all of your documents ready to go for when you get to your new location and yeah so once you get settled as well you've got that year from your posting orders to use that funding and there's quite a few complexities to partner employment and there's lots of stumbling blocks that people come across with employment and new locations what are some of the complexities you've come across time and time again when you've been working with defense partners through your business yeah so many and the barriers are huge and they're so complex so it makes it really hard for like defense to be able to put in initiatives that help everybody because 
it's just so individualized and dependent on each location as well. The biggest barrier that I would come across, so when people get to me, they've usually been job searching on their own and applying for hundreds of jobs on their own first and haven't had any sort of major response for them to keep going. And so by the time they get to me, they're very despondent. They've lost confidence in their abilities. They're very frustrated with the process. So that's sort of been one of the biggest barriers for people that backed up by the statistics as well. So the spouse unemployment rates actually double the national average of unemployment. And it usually will take, there's an average of five and a half months to find employment after relocating as well. So they surprise me a lot. And then the biggest one that blows me away every time is that in one of the recent ADF surveys, they found that 81% of partners had reported that they have made employment sacrifices because of ADF life. So I was like, that's massive. So you're pretty much saying most people have had to significantly change their employment life because of their partner's employment. And so many factors come into it. Like obviously if you have kids, it's finding childcare, but then when you don't have a job yet, you can't afford to pay for the childcare while you're waiting to find a job. But if you don't have childcare, you can't commit to a job. It's just like so complicated. And, you know, things like going to an area and not being able to find a job with, you know, your particular skill set. There's just, yeah, so many different factors, I guess. It is. And those things you mentioned are the common barriers. So one of the big things is that employers... um, when they see your resume, it's not, I guess, they would consider it like a checkered kind of resume. You've moved locations every few years. You've got jobs in different industries every time you've moved. There sort of seems no direction in your resume. There's sort of, everything sort of seems quite unrelated and there's no stability to it. So for that, that sort of employees would rather go for something that looks a little more stable. The domestic workload of spouses is also an impact on employment because the spouse or whoever's sort of staying at home, they often can't take on jobs that, you know, require shift work or require the other person being home and sort of picking up some of the load, whether it's with kids or whatever it is. So they can't take on jobs that require that flexibility. Yeah, that sort of leads to the other barrier, which a lot of spouses are underemployed. So they're overqualified. They're not getting the hours that they actually need. It's sort of like the chicken and the egg. They all just keep rolling into one. And then obviously also the fact that when you have a job, you feel more independent because you're, you know, earning money, contributing to the household. And you then also have the opportunity to make friends through that work and get yourself confidence back and continuing your career. So it's like all sort of intertwined together. It is. And for a lot of spouses, it's not just about the money. Like it is about working to have those social connections and to work in a meaningful job and yet to have that confidence and feel that self-worth. So I guess because you're a defense spouse as well, you know, the barriers, do you get a sense of satisfaction knowing that you're potentially helping people or spouses get employment? Definitely. I get like messages from past clients who have said, I just got five interviews from this resume and, and then tell me about all their new opportunities. So that is the why, like, why would I want to do this? Like to get that feedback and to feel that you've played a small part in helping someone's life become so much easier is so rewarding. Did you and your husband have a general posting plan? Like, were you going to go here, here, here? Or were you just um, seeing how the postings would present themselves? How were you sort of looking at it? We used to make plans, but pretty much every time we had a plan in place, something would happen and that plan would go out the windows. Like in that funny year we had to decide about being MW 
DU. We actually had a plan because my partner still had time on his current posting, but then he got promoted. So then that changed all his posting cycles again. So, Which is awesome. Yay for you for getting promoted. But now like that changes where you're going and what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So we are sort of just taking each posting as it comes and yeah, just trying our best to sort of keep it in Queensland that really has helped us and my husband's been awesome in terms of taking sideways moves just mm-hmm. to be able to stay in location and to make it better for our family life so that's been really good so at the moment you are waiting for a posting yes yeah, so we're very hopeful for him to get back to Amberley so is he just waiting for the poster to like get back in contact with him or how does that work with the air force they've had a few conversations over the phone and then now it's just waiting to see how everything plays out for everybody else and then get yeah. the official notice so yeah any day <laughs> and then you hear the the line so i spoke to the poster and it's like oh heart attack <laughs> while you're waiting for the next line like yeah yes. <laughs> is that a happy voice or a sad voice I know. They don't give anything away when they start with that sentence. No. (laughs) And is your husband likely to be posted just within sort of Queensland or is there possibilities to go to like Adelaide or like how does it sort of work with the Air Force and location-wise? I think the Air Force is pretty much like the other services. It could be anywhere. He dreams about going and doing a posting in Malaysia, that there's a base over there, which I'm not very keen on. Mm -hmm. And he's also from Perth, so he would love to go over there and do a posting as well. So Again, like you really can't get any further from Brisbane. So yeah. I wasn't really that keen, keen on that one. But yeah, it's like the other ones. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Sounds like you're pretty laid back. Just rolling with the punches. You're a veteran. Oh, look, I really do like stability and planning. Yeah. So I do Me find too. that part of defence life really challenging. But I feel like I guess it's probably taught me a lot of lessons that you can't plan everything. And even if it's on the plan, it still sometimes works out okay. Yeah, that's right. And and not to like get worried about it until it's actually like actually happening because you know, it could change. Yes. And I guess that's where we're at at the moment. People keep asking us, have you found a your posting? What are you doing next year? What's happening? And I was like, I don't know. Don't know yet. No news. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Like, There's still like so. six months of the year left. They've yeah. <laughs> changed three times before then. And that's the other thing. You might get like something that you're hoping for and until they're actually on the doorstep, you that's still right. don't want to get your hopes up. Exactly. So what have been some of the things that you've done to help yourself? Obviously your MWDU, so you know, you've got to have some strategies in place. Do you sort of plan nights out with friends or do you do things, simple things like online groceries? What, what sort of things do you do to make life easier? I'm pretty social so I do see my friends regularly that really helps because of the MWD it's very challenging to have a night out or do anything like that so my friends are really understanding about the situation they're always willing to come to my house or you know wait till the girls are down and then come over afterwards so that's awesome to have such understanding friends overall I would say like just finding the little tricks to help you out like for swimming lessons I was telling people that I chose a place um, with crèche so that I could get in and swim with one of the girls and then the lady in the crèche helps me get one dressed and the other one changed so then I jump back in the pool for the second lesson with the other one so just little things like that at the start I was like now we can't do swimming lessons because I don't have someone to help me yeah like, and you can't leave a 18 months to sit, yeah that's right sit, sit, on, sit on the, on the side. pool for half an hour so. yeah yeah, just little things like that. Just try and find little tricks around things. And yep. I think lessen your standards. Like I'm on first yeah. name basis with my Thai guy. 
So he um, knows my order as soon as my name and number come up on his phone. He knows exactly what I'm ordering from the Thai shop. So, awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I should be proud or not of that one. But I think overall, it's just about looking for the small joys that make you happy. So like I know that a good smoothie or a, a good gym class or, you know, going to bed early with a face mask, they're all like small joys that bring me happiness in my day or yep. my week. So the MWDU thing, the defense thing, living away from family like you don't have the opportunity to have a huge day out or a big token event to say like this is a day for me and recharging that way so I think the most important thing for me to keep me going is yeah just finding those small joys in every day and recognizing that those are the things that keep you sort of going and happy and on top of things and treating yourself but you still have to plan those things like you still have to be on top of that like as well as everything else but in the end it's going to help you out I think I got that one from a podcast as well and the lady said you know just write down 10 things that make you happy and find ways to make it happen and I was like yeah that's so easy and it was so relevant for me at the time and just being mindful about that's right and and with the like just coming back to the swimming lesson thing you could have easily said no throw my hands up can't do that and then probably guilted yourself like oh now my children aren't getting swimming lessons I feel bad about not doing that but I just can't do it but you found a way around it like okay maybe you may not have used the creche before but this is what you got to do to be able to do that yeah exactly so mental health wise how do you look after yourself and your mental health for me a regular exercise really helps like I guess saying that you probably imagine someone like a gym junkie I'm not even a gym junkie at all but it's just yeah even once or twice a week just going to the gym and just having that 45 minutes to just recharge and to just do me for 45 minutes so when I first joined the gym after my second daughter I was really embarrassed to tell people that I went to the gym because they would always say but what do you do with the girls and I would feel really guilty about saying that I put them in the creche and I went and go and do a gym class. So I, yeah, I don't know why it was such a sticking point for me, but I used to hate answering that. But then once I got in the swing of it and I was feeling so good, I was like, yeah, it's 45 minutes. So I put my kids in creche for 45 minutes and I just do my class and we go. So for my mental health, that's been awesome. I think the other thing is it's such a cliche, but having a passion in your life. So at the moment, my new business has been a savior. It's been awesome to just, you know, throw myself into that and that's given me a lot of new motivation so yeah it comes with new challenges and adds another layer of business but it was really good to use my brain again after maternity leave and just to have a reason to get the dishes cleaned quicker so I could dive in and do whatever I wanted to do on my business that night. So what sort of things have you learned along the way? Like, you know, do you think it's important to establish a routine, call on friends, not feel guilty about accepting help? What kind of things have you learned? I have learned that I do need to ask for help and it's very hypocritical of me to say this because I still don't do it well, but I think my support network know when to just jump in and do it anyway. I think, yeah, routine's been a really big learning curve for us and we just try and keep things the same here at the house so if my husband's home he's home but if he's not here it doesn't really change anything from the kids perspective didn't want to have the girls relying on him for certain things so that it became less of a challenge when he's gone for a long time I think 
the biggest lesson is that just recognizing like MWD and defense life or yeah, being associated with defense is that it's not an easy road. And because this is your everyday and you live this every day, you forget that some of these things are so challenging and you don't realize how strong you are until sometimes you step back or someone else recognizes that you're doing really well at something and you sort of step back and think, yeah, actually we are doing really well. And it's sort of been really a powerful lesson to know that we yeah. can do this on our own. Like even today, someone said, oh, was that your husband's ship that came back on the weekend? I'm like, oh no, we've still got six weeks. Oh my gosh, still six weeks left. I'm like, yeah, but that's not very long compared to what we've already done. It's like, it's going to fly by, don't worry. You're like, yeah, oh, okay, like, okay, cool. But yeah, looking back on it, you're like, well, yeah, I guess that is a big deal to non-defense people. They're like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and people mean well, but they can say really harsh things by, you know, when you tell them the situation or whatever, and they say, oh, I would never do that. Or, yeah. you know, just things like that where you think, well, that's okay. We do and yeah. we make it work. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Good luck with getting your posting. Hopefully that call comes through soon and it's what you're expecting. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for creating such a great community. Oh, thanks for being part of it. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 